Hi, I'm Madhuni Krishnan, editor of Airline Weekly, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. This podcast is the audio from our weekly live streaming interview series, which we air every Monday at noon Eastern at forum.skiff.com. Join us for the weekly live stream. We'll take your questions live on air. And if, of course, if you prefer audio, we'll always be podcasting the Airline Weekly Lounge at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the to the Airline Weekly Lounge live, live stream. I'm your host, Madhuni Krishnan, the editor of Airline Weekly, and I'm joined today by Sean Donahue, the CEO of Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Madhu. Good to see you. So, Sean, Sean um, thank you for joining us. Sean was, uh, DFW was the host sponsor of our recent Skift Aviation Forum, which was a fantastic event, and um, I, I thank you for making it possible. And uh, wanted to to have you on the the, the pod to uh, to talk about uh, some of the things we didn't get to at the Aviation Forum that are more airport-specific. Uh, so, welcome, Sean. Thanks, Madhu. It was our pleasure to... Uh... Uh, joined Skift on the aviation forum it was I thought for the first one it was a great success, and uh, also appreciate and enjoy reading uh, Airline Weekly when it comes out every Sunday night. So thanks, <laughs> thanks, Sean. And yes, it was a it was a great event for the strangest of years. So let's yes. hope next year it's a little bit more normal. Um, and speaking of that, I <laughs> I wanted to ask you, you know, as, as DFW is one of the world's largest airports. This pandemic has hobbled airports and airlines of all sizes, and has been, a, you know, uh, the wor- probably the worst crisis in the century of of, of commercial aviation. Uh, I just I wanted to ask you, what are some of the steps that DFW has taken since the pandemic started in March to safeguard public health? Sure, and uh, you're right, Madhu. I mean, unquestionably, the single largest disruption in modern aviation history. And like most airports, and I and I do give credit to all the airports, not only in the US, but globally, I believe all the airports have stepped up, um, especially uh, to give those customers who are traveling a sense of comfort and confidence as they as they go through the airport. So at DFW, it, it's been interesting Madhu, we've we've taken kind of a two-track focus, Uh, obviously trying to use technology as much as we can, Uh, electrostatic sprayers, we're installing UV light technology in all of our uh, HVAC systems and, and things like that. Again, many, many airports are doing that. But what's been interesting, we've also found that the traditional ways of cleaning and sanitizing airports are actually still important to the customers. And and I'll give you an example. We hired about 150 employees and we call them a hit team, a strike team. And they're in in a uniform and they are just always out in the terminals cleaning the high touch areas. They're very, very visible. And, and that actually reassures customers. They, they like to see uh, people out there uh, sanitizing all of the high touch surfaces. So we found the combination of technology and traditional to be quite effective for the customers. That's interesting. So the, you've, you know, I mean, it, obviously it would be easier to clean the airport at four in the morning. 
when there's no one, right? So you find that there's value in actually having teams, very visible teams out in public areas that to reach, I mean, you know, because conf, consumer confidence and pastor confidence is an important part of safeguarding public health. Absolutely. It's to your point, it's the visual aspect. Customers don't see how UV lighting, you know, improves the quality of the air circulation. They don't see at night, to your point, uh, the electrostatic sprayers and, and other technologies we're using. And those are very important and they're very helpful. But boy, when they see those strike teams and they're out, you know, scrubbing down seats and counters and um, things like that, it, it's reassuring to them. It is. And, you know, to just bring this sort of a personal, I, I live in San Francisco and um, the streetcar stations, you know, the shelters, um, I, I was walk, taking a walk yesterday and I saw, saw them spraying them down, right, with, uh, with disinfecting them. Right. And uh, I, it was, it, it had that, that, that effect on me, right? I was thinking, oh, well, now that Muni's taking steps to keep us safe. Exactly. Even though they probably could had cleaned it five in the morning when no one was there to do right. it in the middle of the day really made a difference. Right. Um, now, you know, when we talk to airport folks and airline folks, uh, a, a lot of the concern comes from sort of high touch areas, you know, the choke points, uh, security, check-in, um, gate hold areas. I mean, how, how is DFW adapted to sort of manage passenger flow with social distancing and uh, avoid these choke points? Sure. Well, first of all, we're, we're fortunate at DFW that we have 16 different checkpoints. Now, many airports would, would view that as a bit of a curse. Um, we actually have always viewed it as a positive because it allows us to disperse traffic through many different checkpoints for obvious reasons. And now that the pandemic has hit, it's become even more critical. And about 18 months ago, we installed some new technology at the checkpoints where we give live uh, line weight. So we have sensors in all the checkpoints and you can walk up to a checkpoint and it will say you have a four minute wait. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it could be you walk up and it says there's a 10 minute wait, but what we'll also do is in real time, we'll also tell you that 200 yards down the hallway, there's another checkpoint with a three minute wait. Hmm. And it just gives the customers the ability uh, to self-select. And, and again, it goes back to dispersing the traffic over many different checkpoints. So that, that's been very helpful. When you get into the uh, air side part of the, the, the operation, what I would tell you is, you know, restaurants, uh, the good news is at DFW, about 65% of the food and beverage uh, are open again. Mm -hmm. That's really important because, again, it allows more and more customers, more choices. Um, I've been traveling uh, over the last couple of months and, and some of the airports I go to, and this isn't meant to be a criticism, it's just the facts, you know, there's very, very few uh, restaurants or, or food outlets, and then they get really crowded. So the fact that two thirds of our F and B are open are are helpful as well. And and to that point, Madhu, what what we did is back in April, 
uh, we made the decision to waive, effectively waive all the rental payments for our concessionaire partners. Hmm. And we did that because in many cases, these are small local businesses. We needed to help them. And now we've extended that waiver through March of 21. And we're actually walking away from $70 million in rental payments that we will never recover. But it was the right decision to do. And it's allowed more of them to open. And as we recover next year, I think it will also allow more of them to, to recover faster. So that's a good thing. And then finally, the one nut we have not been able to crack uh, in terms of social distancing is the boarding. And, right. you know, we've got stickers and we have announcements, but for all of the, us who know the industry and have traveled all the time, when that first boarding announcement happens, it's still the rush to the gate. Right. And that's the one area that, uh, you know, working with our airline partners, candidly, we haven't found a solution But the good news is uh, at DFW, you have to wear a mask. It's mandatory. Um, So at least there are face coverings uh, during the boarding process. Well, you know, let's talk about the few minutes before boarding and the gate hold area. And that's been a choke point for a lot of airports that have struggled with how do you keep people out of, you know, sitting in the seats in front of C-17 or whatever. Um, And I know I, I spoke to, to someone in, in Dubai uh, who said they're experimenting with uh, with sort of uh, like the buzzers that you get at restaurants, you know, the the, the tells you when you're or, or they they haven't deployed them, but they're looking at technologies that disperse people throughout the airport until their specific boarding, yeah, um, um, their their boarding group is called. Right. Uh, now, I mean, a lot of this is sort of science fiction and out in the future, but are these sort are you looking at these technologies as well at DFW in terms of wayfinding and crowd management? What we're doing, Madhu, is we're about to open uh, an extension to our international terminal. We're adding four gates and it will open in the spring of next year. And that project was well underway before the pandemic hit. And what we've done in the design of those four gates, we've pretty well done away with what you would typically think is gate room seating. Mm-hmm. And, and we've opened it up to a much better flow. And, and we've opened it up so that um, people will have awareness, no matter where they are in that four gate complex, through uh, technology that we're using with gate signage and, and, and other opportunities, you'll be able to know when your flight is boarding, no matter where you are in that four gate complex. Hmm. And, and we'll have plenty of electronic uh, signage. We're using lighting to help customers during the boarding uh, process, which is new to us. And what we're trying to do is disperse uh, the congregation of people around the boarding and to give them confidence, no matter where they are in that part of the terminal, they'll know exactly when their flight is boarding and it hopefully gives them the confidence that they don't have to rush in there and queue up. Right. Now, a lot of these changes are, um, were in response, industry-wide, not just DFW, were in response to this pandemic, obviously. And there, there are some changes that airlines have said may be permanent. 
the deeper cleaning of aircraft, the more visible cleaning of aircraft. Right. From DFW's perspective, what are some of the things that you, measures you've taken since March that you think will just last once, even after vaccination, this particular pandemic subsides? Sure, sure. And and I I would summarize it with one word, and that's touchless. Mm. And again, we're fortunate that we started many of these projects before the pandemic. Uh, for example, the summer of 19, we installed biometric boarding at all of our international gates. And I, I believe we have more biometric enabled boarding gates than any airport in the U.S. I think we're at 50 of them right now. And uh, this coming year, uh, we're going to install that to most of our domestic gates as well. So biometric boarding makes tremendous sense on the international flights. You know, you, you don't have to provide your passport, your ticket, even your mobile boarding pass. You don't have to provide the, the facial capture becomes your boarding document. Right. And we, we see that as an opportunity to further go down that path with biometrics. Now, importantly, Madhu, we do we will not hold that data. You know, we we will we will do the the capture, uh, we'll do the the verification with the customs and border patrol data. We're not going to hold the data. We have no interest in that <laughs> for obvious reasons but we wanna keep pushing biometric boarding. We think it's a huge opportunity. Second, and I know this sounds very mundane, but probably the single biggest complaints airports receive are around restrooms. And right. we have now taken every single restroom, a couple hundred of them at DFW, and they're entirely touchless. The whole experience in the restroom is touchless. Plus, we've put sensors in all of the restrooms that tell us, uh, it, it tells the customers when stalls are available and not. Wow. Uh, we have sensors actually uh, that tell the janitorial team when paper products are running low in the restrooms. And when you enter the restroom, it will tell you the availability in the restroom. And again, it will tell you there's a restroom 30 yards down the hall with this availability. So touchless becomes really important. And, and on the biometric side, I forgot to mention, we're now testing uh, the self bag check-in through biometrics so that you, you don't actually need a, an agent to check in your bag as well. So that's definitely gonna be permanent is how can you make the experience through the airport as touchless as possible? Hmm. Just, you know, the, the, the sounds like a, uh a little bit of a, a, the, we're changing topics, but we're not because this is uh, something that's been important to DFW for years and all, um, and it's sustainability in the environment. Right. And the pandemic obviously changes the calculus on, uh, has changed the calculus economy wide on sustainability. Um, and I wanted to sort of get your sense of what, what sort of, what has changed since the pandemic began, what things have accelerated and whether you see sustainability still as a focus that um, for the airport, uh, despite sure. despite all that's happened this year. Yeah, very good question. We've been committed to uh, sustainability for the last seven or eight years at DFW, and and 
the, the reason our commitment is so strong and will continue to be strong, Madhu, is twofold. Number one, uh, we feel a stewardship responsibility from an environmental perspective. Obviously, aviation has a huge uh, footprint from, from, from a carbon emissions perspective. But what a lot of people don't understand is it's good business as well. So let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, 100% of the power we purchase for DFW Airport is wind generated. And, and you know, when you think of Texas, and you're in Texas. <laughs> you think of oil and gas, right? <laughs> well, Texas actually generates, the state generates more wind power than any other state in the U.S., Mm-hmm. So we've tapped into that. We, we've been purchasing 100% uh, wind powered electricity for several years. It has reduced our costs by 20 to $30 million. Mm-hmm. So it's not only the right thing to do, but it's good business. Last year, we started partnering with a local landfill uh, to capture methane gas and now we're using that for renewable natural gas in all of our buses on the airport. Hmm. We have far too many buses on the airport, but at least we're using renewable natural gas in the buses, saving us a million dollars a year. And then finally, there's so many partners out there, uh, Madhu, who wanna work with entities that are focused on on sustainability. And, And one of our best partners is the National Renewable Energy Lab up in Golden, Colorado. They are doing an entire digital twin of DFW for us that will allow us to become much more efficient and much smarter uh, moving forward. So we're the largest carbon neutral airport in the world. Uh, We believe we can get to net zero emissions by the end of this decade. But to your other question, we also admit that, you know, from an airline perspective, given what the airlines have now gone through this year, and given the big delta between sustainable aviation fuels and the cost of that versus Jet A, you know, we realize at DFW, we're going to have to take on a greater burden Mm -hmm. from an industry leading perspective, because it's going to be tough for the airlines for a while um, as they get back on their footing, um, it's probably going to push out a little bit more the utilization rate of SAFs. And mm-hmm. so what can the other players in the industry do in the meantime? Let me stop you right there. SAFs are referring to sustainable aviation fuels. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> sustainable aviation fuel. Yeah. So continue, sorry. we, we want to continue to be a, an industry leader. It, it's a passion we have. I've got a great, great team working on it. And uh, uh, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to continue to push the envelope on this one. Well, are there any projects that you've undertaken so, that have accelerated in the sustainable space since the pandemic started? Or has it, have, you just, have you stayed the course with what you'd already began, begun earlier? Yeah, the one, the one item that we're really pushing is um, to do as much as we can when it comes to this concept of a digital twin. So we're, you know, we're reconstructing one of our main runways right now. We're creating a digital twin of that entire runway. 
uh, any facility related work we're doing. Uh, again, we're working with our partners on digital twins and then the whole airport digital twin. So what these digital twins allow us to do, do is get real-time data, um, be able to be far more efficient, more proactive, less reactive, and, and that's gonna drive benefits as well uh, for us, you know, in terms of uh, the rate uh, that we use all of our utilities, uh, the rate of downtime, uh, all of those uh, metrics are going to improve, which will generate just a far more efficient airport for us in the future. Great. Now, um, we, we referred, we spoke earlier about this being a once in a century right. event for airlines, we hope. Um, what, um, what sort of things are you doing and looking towards the next pandemic? I mean, how... What lessons have you learned from this one that will prepare you for the next global, if not health, global event? That right. They... Yeah. I mean, I've been in the industry 35 years, you know, most of it on the airline side. That's why I don't really have a lot of hair left. <laughs> and uh, you're right. I mean, you, you think back all the way to the PACO strike in the late 80s, mm -hmm. and then you obviously 9-11, and then the GFC it seems like for the last 30 years, every decade, there's been an enormous event that has impacted the industry. Again, our, our, our focus is, is probably twofold. Number one, financially, you've got to make sure you've got the balance sheet to withstand these shocks. And when, when the pandemic struck, we had over 600 days of cash on hand. So we, we had the ability, and that's always been an important metric to us to you know, have basically two years of cash to handle operating expenses. This summer, we were the first major US airport to go out uh, to the bond market. We refunded $2 billion worth of bonds hmm. and generated $600 million worth of savings over the remaining term of the bonds. And, and to put that more specifically, that will reduce airline costs at DFW by over $30 million a year uh, looking forward. So financially, you've got to be in strong, you know, you've got to be in a strong uh, fiscal shape to withstand these shocks moving forward. Number two is we're lucky. We're lucky American is headquartered here uh, at DFW. We're very fortunate that in 2019, uh, they built up their schedule at DFW. And more importantly, as they look at, it's gonna be a slow recovery. We understand that, but DFW is being prioritized. And, and uh, so we're working with them in any way we can uh, to support that. And, and then finally, I would just say the Dallas-Fort Worth region economically was probably one of the hottest economic regions before the pandemic. And I, I believe it's going to recover faster too. From all the indicators I'm seeing, uh, this area will bounce back. You, you see all the corporate relocations coming into <laughs> Texas. It's amazing. Um, so you put all of that together 
and no one wants to go through the these type of shocks, Madhu, but we'll be able to withstand them. And then finally, I, I find it interesting, the ongoing debate about, you know, hubs and connecting traffic and O&D. Gosh, I, you know, my view is for the rest of this decade, hubs are going to be enormous uh, recovery drivers just because of the scale and, and how cost efficient the hubs are versus kind of the O&D uh, traffic. Right. That's interesting because um, I've heard some airlines and some airlines have a vested interest in saying this, obviously, that uh, they're, they, they see more passenger comfort with the idea of a point-to-point flight than one that connects through a hub. And are, are you seeing that reflected in your traffic or do you see the, the, the hub, the connectivity afforded by a hub as, as just, just as strong now? Yeah, I, my view, and again, I've, I've, I've taken a fair amount of trips. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who are traveling right now, for the most part, are traveling because they're comfortable to travel. Right. And there's obviously a lot of people out there who are not comfortable to travel, and we get that. And when they're ready, we'll be here to, to take good care of them. But despite what you sometimes read in stories I'm just not seeing a lot of drama around people traveling right now. Hmm. Everyone's wearing a mask. Um, When I walk the terminals, you know, I'm not seeing anything out of the ordinary. And when, you know, as we continue to make progress on vaccine distribution and, and travel does start to come back. um, The reason I believe the, the hubs are going to do so well is a lot of the point-to-point traffic that was being flown in the last five years when the airlines were doing well, the point-to-point was doing well more so on the revenue side. They were getting a revenue premium. It's going to be tough to get revenue premiums for a couple of years, I believe. And therefore, the cost efficiencies will be most critical. And that's where the hubs, I believe, can, can generate that value. Well, I want to, you know, we have only a few minutes left, but I wanted to ask you about the, um, about cargo. And you mentioned the most precious cargo that's coming online soon. And that's, uh, that, that's the, these vaccines. Uh, right. There's, there's been a lot of chatter about the vaccines. Uh, I believe the Moderna vaccine uh, needs to be handled at several, uh, minus 70 centigrade. Um, there's been a lot of concern that uh, uh, the, the cold chain, as it were, the logistics cold chain um, is not up to, to transporting. What's uh, Dallas-Fort Worth has always been a big cargo node. Um, are, is, are you confident that uh, the cold chain facilities, uh, DFW, are, are able to handle the, the vaccine? Well, we, we invested uh, about three years ago in opening our first cool chain facility. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're glad we did that. <laughs> And so we, we do have uh, cool chain capabilities and capacity. And, and my view, Madhu, is airlines are really going to drive this, and probably more so than airports. And it will be based upon their networks and, and, and their logistics. So we're ready to help uh, any of our airline partners in any way 
and and we will absolutely prioritize uh, helping every single airline in terms of this vaccine distribution. I don't think we're going to take a leading mm-hmm. uh, position in that because that's not our role. But when people say they need help, believe me, we're we're going to be there to help them. All right. Well, Sean. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us today on on the live stream, on the Airline Weekly Lounge live stream. This is a fascinating discussion. And uh, I look forward to having you on again soon. Well, thanks, Madhu. Again, thanks for uh, the partnership on the Aviation Forum. And uh, and thanks for all the the really good work on Airline Weekly. It's it's a great read, very informative, very constructive, and uh, look forward to catching up in the future. Absolutely. Next year, next year in Dallas. There you go. In person. (laughs) And to all our listeners, uh, once again, we will be posting a video of this on demand on our airlineweekly.com later today uh, or later this week. And the audio podcast will be available as the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast later this week, wherever you get your podcast. And if you have any questions or feedback for me, you can drop me a line at MU, that's Mike Uniform at skiff.com. Thank you very much and goodbye. Thanks.